0: Random House, a place for podcasts. Now fade us out.
1: This is the story of some of those engaged in the. Black opera is. Have agreed to talk about it for the first time. One said, "I think every last one of us knew we were crossing the line to attempt this kind of thing."
0: In 2011, a couple of anonymous masked musicians going by the Black Opera started sending out video transmissions. If you've seen the output from Rap's first performing arts group, you know why identities come second for them. Art is all that matters. But the group was founded by two hip-hop veterans from Michigan, Jamal Bufford and Majestic Legend, and they're expanding to fold in new talents, starting with Ann Arbor's Obi-Ioha. Jamal and Obi called in to Rubber Tracks Brooklyn, and we dove in a bit on the personal side since I've known Jamal since my days at Michigan. It was a good talk about what the Black Opera is up to these days, a couple of lost ideas, and what's next for them. I'm Vic. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Ryan Book Podcast.
1: Ryan, who come with sword, spear, javelin, but I barely move. Brian, we've known each other for a while. Um a lot through the the cyber world, through the internet. Um uh, but uh for a few years now, so you, you kinda know a little bit about my beginnings with African Mike League and doing solo stuff as Buff One. But I believe around uh, the beginning of the Black Opera is where I, m- I may not have really stayed in contact with you that much once the Black Opera kind of began.
0: Um, well, I did get the I did get the mass email in like 2012. That was like I, I think there were two, right? One was one was like no more. Buff one is no more. I'm going back to the government name, and then a couple months later, it was like. Uh, you know, I don't usually email you guys about music, but the Black Opera is about to get going, and it's like this super secretive project.
1: Okay, yeah, so so you, you were in on those emails. So yeah, pretty much, uh, it started around 2000, late 2010, early 2011, um, where me and Majestic Legend, who uh, got his beginnings with the Subterraneous Crew, um out of Michigan. We obviously known each other for a long time. We've been doing shows and doing collaborative songs and stuff since like ninety nine, two thousand. And um essentially when we started the Black Opera we didn't want people to know who we were. We wanted people to kinda get the music and kinda interpret it on their own and not associate Buff One or Jamal Bufford or Majestic Legend with it or athlete Mike Lee with it or Subterraneous crew with, with it we wanted people to make their own determination on how they felt about the music and not have kind of preconceived thoughts on oh this doesn't sound like Buff One what is this or this should sound like this because he made this one song eight years ago you know what I'm saying so um that's how that began and it really began you know I was uh I was out in LA for a while and um uh, working on music doing shows out there. I had uh, worked on an album, the album with DJ Wetmatic, uh Crown Royal. And it was cool and it, but things started to slow down so I came back home and kind of had to regroup and um the studio where I was recording that had kind of shut down. So I didn't have any way to record. I was really I wasn't doing solo like album stuff. I was just doing like guest appearances like features for money and stuff like that, but I still needed a spot to do that. So Jess had a spot, Majestic Legend had a, a, a setup at his crib. I would go there and record. Long story short, he was like, yo, let's we should like do a project together. And um it just kinda started like that, real organic. We didn't have any visions of what the black opera would be. Um, and we started making songs and it kinda you know, kind of gradually created itself from there and uh, we didn't really want to tell people any background on it we wanted people to like really determine what the Black Opera was on their own like and we still want to do that you know we've since obviously let people know we are the the kind of founders of the Black Opera after bringing in a bunch of new musicians and artists uh, Obi Ayoha of course which is, he's, he'll talk about his perspective on it shortly um, but we we uh, we didn't want people to know who we were. Now we have let people know who the like the identities are within it. But it's more so just so people can we can give everyone their individual shine because we're all like great artists on our own. But we still want the people to, to kind of get their own interpretation of what the art is that the black opera created.
0: Was there much behind much of a plan behind uh when to reveal the identities?
1: There was, yeah. Yeah. Um it was all very strategic. We uh, we knew we wanted to put out um, at least two projects where we did not say our names. Um, we didn't say, yo, I'm from this city, I rep this squad. You know, it was really about making world music and, and music that was broader than just a block that you claim or a set or a gang or an individual or a nickname. Um, or a city or a state. So we knew that was the plan, and then eventually we knew we wanted to kind of try to, like, sneak. I mean, obviously a lot of people knew who we were from the beginning. A lot of people even could recognize our voices, Um, but we didn't want to make it blatant. So, you know, and then eventually we wanted to, like, kind of sneak in some clues and some hints. Um, And even in videos, at first we we didn't want to be in videos at all. We started to kind of show, little glimpses of our faces in the videos. Um so we knew it was gonna be a gradual thing and um and we knew for sure, uh, for the great year that we wanted to like let people kind of more behind the scenes of uh, who we were. Um and that's also when we brought when we brought OBN to the fold.
0: And that actually sort of parallels the whole uh transition in in music and art since like you and i were in college where there's so much more kind of pulling back the curtain and the veil now and there's a lot less mystery and so i I mean i just took it as a way for you guys to recreate that that mystery but you know it's not it's an act it's not something that you're going to be especially if you're going to be able to tour and whatnot that you're you're not going to be able to hold it up for too long unless you do like an mf doom type thing right
1: Right, right,
0: exactly,
1: and that's, you know, and, that's, and that was part of the reason why we wanted to bring OB in. Uh, another reason is, you know, we wanted to, one, let people know that we were growing and expanding, and we, we, we knew at some point we wanted to bring more talent to the forefront, and when O.B., and O.B. can talk about this too, when he's in T.B.O. mode, you know, we we kind of have a protocol on how we approach music, but we wanted him to be able to put an album out and be 100% O.B. Ayoha, you know, yeah. and then we wanted to give ourselves the freedom so I could be 100% Jamal Buffett and Majestic Legend could be 100% Majestic Legend uh, and show our individual talent. Because um, really, you know, this, it sounds crazy, but there really aren't a lot of rap groups anymore. Um, and so we knew we wanted to bring that to, to hip hop, but also take advantage of, it's kind of like, you know, it's been done before. It's like the Wu Tang kind of method, uh, or formula, you know, they all did solo albums and they came back together. Um, but now you just don't see it that much anymore. So we, um uh, we just wanted to bring something new to hip hop and music in general and art in general.
0: Kind of wondering, Obi, if you uh, like, were aware when the, when Jamal was sending out those first emails, or whether you, you know, what your path of awareness is with uh, with Black Opera.
1: Well, you know, um, I had actually seen um, their first video. It wasn't their first video, but it was one of the first videos they released back in like around like 2010. It was Mash i seen it on Two Dope Boys, and I'm like, what? Like, what, what is this? What is this? You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, right. it was, hype. I was like, it was something different. It was, um, it was spooky, you know what I'm saying? It was something else. Um, I, I knew Jamal from, uh, the Neutral Zone, which is a teen center mm-hmm. in, uh, downtown Ann Arbor, um, just through, like, some friends who were also at the Neutral Zone, and, um, I think I reached out to him over, uh, MySpace, you know what I'm saying? Just like, you know, up-and-coming rapper advice, you know what I'm saying? He's, uh, um, the dude you look up to in my city, in Ann Arbor, so, you know, I, you know, that was, that was who I was looking up to, so, um, I reached out to him, and then, uh, I mean, I was like, oh, nine, Uh, a couple years later, we sitting in the studio, in, uh, in, in the neutral zone, after, I I think I released, like, one joint, and, um, I guess he was fucking with that, and we just, yeah, "Yeah, um, you know what I'm saying he was just you know uh, you know giving me his regards and you know I, that was uh that was he that was when he told me about the black opera and um what he was doing and I I, I kind of knew he was a, a part of it just because you know I'm kind of like you know we in the we in the same like area and stuff but um you know I, it was like a it was a new thing that they were that they had been pushing and they had just kind of you know been going with that. And I had my own little movement that I was working on called Metal H. And that was just, uh, you know, a couple of my friends that I kind of came up with. And, you know, we, we threw house parties and it's not the 3rd. But um kind of got out of hand, you know what I'm saying? This was around 2012. Things got out of hand. You know, I had been working on my first mixtape, The Low Key. And, um, you know, by the time I released it, the movement had kind of dwindled down. And I was looking elsewhere, honestly, like outside of music. I was just looking elsewhere. I'm like, all right, well, that was fun, but um, you know, what I'm saying I think I want to try something else. And this is around the same time that, um, that they approached me talking about, you know, like, yo, you, you know, come to this video, uh, this video shoot. So I went to a video shoot, uh, uh for fucking problems, and uh, I got a little cameo, and it was cool. Hmm. And from that point on, man, it was just like. Uh, we had just been, uh, you know, they invited me to a show. I got to spit a verse. It was great. I had never really seen any hip-hop show like that, you know, like masks and, you know, mm-hmm. choreography steps and, just, you know, the whole nine. And I'm just like, oh, this is dope. So, you know, I kind of just um, kept rolling, you know, the 80s Baby mixtape or the uh, The the, yeah, the '80s babies to the Two Cheese mixtape came out. You know, I had a couple of couple of tracks on there, and um, you know, we just kind of organically just kind of kept working together, and you know, they kept inviting me to shows, and you know, turn by turn, I was kind of rapping with the crew, so that's how it went down.
0: Yeah, so it so it really just clicked, and there wasn't sort of that process of of going in. With your metal eight style and having to kind of feel your way out and maybe like throw away some rhymes here and there, and like get to the well, you the know, studio style.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, you
0: know, it definitely takes
1: um, it definitely takes uh, some work for the mixture, you know, as as per usual, you know what I mean. And um, we 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 got we got comfortable in the studio, and you know, every, every song it was you know. Kind of got a little bit more comfortable and just you know
0: building on that. But no, I
1: had I had metal aids was already kind of done by the mm-hmm. time I had uh, got down with TBO, so it was just like a you know honestly like I, I I was I was putting music aside until I saw like you know um we actually uh, did a show out in Oakland, um the hieroglyphics uh the hieroglyphics, the, yeah, the music festival you know it's like damn near 10,000 people in the crowd and i'm like i ain't never seen that before so <laughs> i was like yeah, this is lit, like you know what i'm saying that kind of that kind of re- that kind of rejolted my my enthusiasm so I, I i from that point on i i just kind of went back to you know working at my craft through working with the black opera and that was the, that's the that was like for me as an artist, personally, that was like one of the best things for me to be able to experiment with like my style through the Black Opera and then kind of find what I wanted to do for my own solo work, so it was really a, yeah. it was a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, like a play, yeah, play, yeah, play, yeah, play. yeah, ain't nothing new, I've seen it before these avenues be flooded with thoughts but you chosen, oh you chosen, let's get froze, I'll break it down and you roll it, yeah, moonlight illuminates most of your soul, yeah, the rest I be touching with every stroke, i take it slow. Most of the days I be on the move. With my gualas, they be on it too. My lord of years I'm a shot as Love, love, what you want to do? Close your eyes, we can dream about it. True for wishing, cause you never doubt it. Most be wishing, but they
0: seen about The it. family, especially for Jamal, really in terms of where the, like, I'm really happy to see where the AML folks are now, with like 14 mm-hmm. KT, representing with uh, Mayor Hawthorne being as big as he is. And uh gotta mm-hmm. shout out the lab techs of course. But um yes, like are, the, are the studio sessions sort of you three and whoever else is involved in TBO at this point, or do you still get, you know, like the those guys and the Mr. Porters and the Black Milks and the folks you've worked with to kinda come through and see if something works?
1: Uh it's 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 mostly it's mostly me and Jess. Um uh, and Obi, when we can uh, reel a man off of his own planet. Um, <laughs> uh but yo, I, I I do wanna say like the the internet is an amazing thing, as I'm sure you all know. Um so it's been it's enabled us it's enabled us to be able to work with tons of people without having to actually physically be in the same space of course. Um so it, we we try to keep that same kind of community feel even though we're not all in the same space um you know we'll get we'll get musicians to send us files of of keys that they play or violins or or bass or whatever um and kind of keep that same kind of community feel even though it's it's usually just me and Jess like physically in the space um uh, but you know we work with Black Spade uh, we've worked with Jans4J. We've worked with Wajid. Um, you know, tons of cats that, you know, we've had the, the pleasure of, you know, having a relationship with prior to the Black Opera. But yeah, we've brought them into the fold as well. Redmatic, um, you know, KT, of course. So yeah.
0: And um, the other thing about the internet, I think, uh, from reading some of the stuff that you guys post, uh, is that. You can create a market overseas, which I don't know if that's like pioneered by the idols who you get to tour with, or the causality is the other way where people know uh, AML Buff One uh, TBO because of your your web profiles or whatever. Do you have any sense of of sort of which direction that goes in when you go over there?
1: Um, you mean like?
0: Is it, How, is it that, like, uh, uh, you know, the, the legends have kind of blaze trails and so people are, are more open to certain types of, of hip-hop or is it kind of like they know your stuff and they're singing it with oh, you you because you. they've heard your songs? It. I got
1: you. Yeah. It's, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. Um, I know I can speak for, for myself. Um, you know, I had been to Europe a few times before the Black Opera as a whole went last year for the first time. So, I, I was able to use a lot of the connections that I had for my trips over there um, to help get to Black Opera over there. But a lot of people had known who we were. Like, my first time in Europe, 2007, uh, it was a combination of, it's kind of crazy. It was like this um, was some kid, some young cat in Poland, some small city in Poland, I think it was like pronounced chin or something
0: okay Who cool.
1: and this was like this was like when we first like made we had our website we were like one of the only cats who was really like utilizing the internet when it was first started bubbling that's how it's crazy but okay we were around at the beginning of when the internet really was happening and
0: yeah you threw out my space I, I was like okay you're really dating it there
1: yeah yeah <laughs> we we really took advantage of it and um we were selling our CDs off our website, and there was some kid in this small city in Poland who would buy our CDs like 10, 15, 20 at a time. Mm. And, you know, this is before, this is really before, like, social media. This is before Facebook and Twitter, really. So we we really didn't know who he was. We didn't know how to contact him. I guess we had his email address, but we wasn't, like, hitting him up or nothing. But eventually we did, because he wanted to book us for a show, and come to find out, like, he would, like, buy these CDs and sell them in the city, and he had sold close to like 200, um, Sweats and Kick CDs. Um, AM- AML's first, well, like, first real release. We had released stuff before that, but what we call our first official release, Sweats and Kicks, yeah. that came out in 2002. He had sold like 200 something CDs in this city around the town and like blew us up in this little small city in Poland. So, mm-hmm long story short like we it's it was seven of us in aml and like it it, it's just hard for that many people to travel and tour especially go to europe Mm -hmm. um so that kind of that was part of the reason why i started doing solo stuff why why aml kind of pushed me to the forefront forefront as a solo artist Mm um just because we wanted to try to take advantage of these show offers we were getting but we just couldn't all make it there financially um because Cassie just didn't really have the money to throw like that to fly seven people to Cali or wherever. Yeah. So, so long story short, we made it. Uh, we got this show book for me and KP to go. Um, and around the same time, you know, we had just, we were on the same label as Slum Village and Fat Cat and Black Milk and BR mm-hmm. uh Barack Records for a couple years. So we got cool with them, and they were going over at the same time. So we're like, yo, can we jump on some shows with y'all? So, it's kind of a combination of both to answer your, to answer your question. Um, yeah. With with the relationship with Slum Village and the history that they have and the, kind of the groundwork that they lay, especially for Michigan and Detroit and the Detroit area, a lot of people just kind of like, yo, whatever comes from there, I'm going to check it out, you know, yeah. whether they know about it or not. So that was part of it. But then also... Yeah, it was some select few people who were up on Athletic Mike League and Buff One. Um, when we went, it was two thousand seven. I had just released Pure, uh, my first solo album, and yeah. you know I, I got some shine on like, okay player and and yeah. stuff like that. So, so it was a combination. Yeah, people knew who we were, but I was <clears throat> obviously obviously we were, we had a uh, built in advantage doing a lot of shows with Slum over there. Yeah. They you know yeah. their shows were sold out. You know and as long as we rocked and did our job, you know we got we got more fans and we sold CDs. It's what up? What up? It's all good. Everything's on the up and up. Uh, what's up with you? Say what? Say what? You coming through with the uh uh huh uh huh? Okay, that's what's up. So many voices in my head. I gotta focus just to flow. But TBO is like the dopest in this new age. We dead prayers, we Jay Z, we Wu Tang, we outcast. Labels don't know what to do, man. TBO, shit, we need more money for promotion so we can touch every single ocean and culture. That's what we need you for. That word of mouth we gotta spread the warning so we deeper than the dirty sound.
0: Having been around at the at the MySpace era and seeing the difference, I'm curious you know, on the on the kind of business and strategic side, uh, do you see kind of a difference between posting stuff up on MySpace and messaging people versus leveraging SoundCloud as a tool to directly reach fans these days? Jamal, if you give the MySpace perspective and then Obi can give the SoundCloud one, we can kind of compare those. Yeah,
1: uh, well, MySpace era, um, for the most part, if I can remember correctly,
0: (laughs) so long ago. Uh,
1: It was really like more so to post, I remember posting songs that either I had put out or I knew were coming out for sure on on some project, Um, a a mixtape or an album. Um, I don't remember really putting out too much quote-unquote quote-unquote exclusive stuff or stuff you could only get on my space so um me not really being familiar with soundcloud it's hard for me to compare the two uh, i think i got like 400 or 500 or something people following me on there i don't know why because i don't post anything ever but <laughs> um i do
0: a lot of repost i do a lot of repost like
1: tbl stuff or ob stuff but
0: and you and you actually, got some brand recognition now so I guess that's what it is, but yeah,
1: like MySpace era was—it was cool. It was definitely for networking, uh, reaching out to people, uh, which I'm sure you could you know—you do obviously on SoundCloud or Bank. You know, you can do that on a lot of social media now. But uh, MySpace, MySpace was really like the, the only option you had at that time for something like that. You know, now it's a ton of things. Yeah. Um, SoundCloud kind of, SoundCloud kind of being the leader. I guess you could say, um, unless it changed. I know it's a lot changing with SoundCloud and people are kinda of getting mad at it, but um it's kinda of restructuring or whatever. But yeah, I mean MySpace was that for me. And um so it was it was definitely a tool that I used um to get my music out there. You know, especially we had we had uh we had relationships with people at MySpace. So if you got like a feature, like the yeah. whatever it was called at the time, like feature of the week or my space of the month whatever it was like if you could be the feature artist which I got a couple of times that definitely helped broaden who my, my exposure to a bunch of new people um, so it was cool but just like everything you know uh, all good things come to an end I'm sure there's gonna be a time when Facebook and Twitter and Instagram SoundCloud come to an end at some point and something new comes along um, but yeah Obi, you can talk about you can talk about SoundCloud so we actually beat us and Obi. We debate SoundCloud all the time because it's like this, it's like it's something you can't deny, but we just really have to, we try to figure out how to use it to the best of our ability. So, yeah, we talk about SoundCloud all the time. Obi, you can, you can talk about your experience with it. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I did, I did, I, caught, I think I feel like I caught like the tail end of the MySpace era. You know what I'm saying? By the time I started posting music on there, it was like, you know, you would, you would open your inbox and somebody has sent you, like, 20 messages on how they can help you spam your shit, spamming <laughs> you and shit. You know, right. like, I, I was on the tail end. Um, and it was definitely cool, you know, like, to just have a place to release music, you know what I mean? Like, and then I can message people. Uh, you know, I got to pe- see what people were doing and stuff, so it was cool. SoundCloud is like that on steroids you know what i mean it's like gosh like there's just so much music on soundcloud like i you know i people ask me what i listen to now and i can i don't know what to tell them cuz i literally go on soundcloud and i just click play and it just takes me to like 30 different artists in one yeah. sitting and not really like all the producers Really, I'd I be on there for producers because, like, they just be on there and, like, they got all this music and, you know, the beats and production and, you know, you really can just sit back and listen to everything and vibe out. Um, I, you know, I've never, you know, for something that's free, I've never been on there and actually been able to, like, wow, look at how much good music I'm getting for, like, no cost. You know what I mean? That's, like, wild to me. But, um, as far as, like, as an artist and how I use it, um, you know, I know that there are levels to uh, SoundCloud access. Like you can, you know, you can get the, uh, you know, you can pay the monthly fee or the yearly fee. I don't know what it is, and you know, you get to target where your following is, and you get to see, you know, okay, all right, and you know, you know what your demographic is, and so I think that that's very, very useful to artists. Um, when mm-hmm. you're doing, if you're an independent artist and you. You know, you don't really got a machine behind you. You can invest in yourself and actually, you know, start start a small following. And, you know, depending on your work and your reach and how good your hustle is, you can expand that. You can really build that. And, um, you know, you see a lot of people on there with, you know, hundreds of thousands of plays per song. Now, how you translate that into into dollar signs or into whatever you know you trying to turn it into i don't know i don't know what the science is for that but um as far as just getting heard i think that it's definitely a good platform to use so this is like how do you translate that how do you yeah how do you turn that into monetary or being able to get shows you know all that the stuff?
0: um the pro account targeting by location is actually something that when we talked to ago in grand rapids they brought up um talking about uh you know you you see what cities respond to your music and so you can target what kind of tour you put together and target going to those cities and then build out your following in kind of a more uh traditional way like when you bring it in real life but uh yeah it's it's all about getting your numbers up right like it's it's kind of the same thing as jamal was saying in terms of like trying to get a feature, this is just about having the numbers to back up your presence in order to get people to look at you, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, we
1: and we have we. I mean, we got to pay attention to it, you know. Um, and that's part of like our campaign, you know. this is all this is new to us. Like, you know, we've been I've been putting out my own music for a long time. You know, I'm ten, eleven, twelve albums deep. It sounds crazy, even saying that. But like, if you include AML, my solo stuff, TBO, you know, I've been putting out my own. You know, give or take, you know, ninety percent. You know, help. We did have some help um on a couple projects from metal Music Group. um But a lot of the stuff we put out on my own. But I've never really we never put out someone else. Like we this, us putting obi's album out is the first, and so we we had to take all the stuff into consideration to. to so one, make the experience as good for him as possible but also you know just to maximize the exposure and and try to maximize the money that that goes into it and that we get back um so SoundCloud is is definitely a topic of discussion Jess is better at this stuff than me like Majestic mm. legend he, he he's definitely the social media amazing <laughs> of the crew <laughs> huh. uh, so a lot of this stuff I kind of take his his uh his point of view on um, cause I just don't pay attention to it, to be honest. Um, but he knows a lot more about this stuff. I'm kind of more of the the people person. I'm the connector, the yeah. connect the dots person. I bring I bring in the people who can get the job done, and uh, he's like, he's definitely a social media maybe. I just wanna be rich like you, nigga. I just want to be rich like you. You know, Midnight Run, I just finished that. put that out on uh, January 22nd through the Black Opera. Um, you know, I got a lot of different styles on there, and I really just kind of combined music that I love and kind of made it in my own language. You know, I, I it's just these are the vibes of my story, you know, from the past, you know, and present, just kind of mix it up. Um, You can definitely cop that On iTunes Midnight Run uh, You can go to Spotify And have a listen You know what I'm saying If you want to listen first And um, uh, You can also uh, Also get it on The Black Opera Bandcamp um, And yep. Physical CDs Coming very soon For that too The next project From the Black Opera Will be Majestic Legends Solo out His next solo out So uh, we're finishing that up right now. And uh, it should be coming very, very soon uh, via our TBO imprint. um, iTunes, Apple Music, all that stuff. Spotify, whatever you choose to use. Amazon.com. Then I guess I need to start working on my next solo album. So I'll do that soon. Uh, Yeah, so I'll do that. And then... um, we'll come back and join forces for the next uh, Black Ops album towards the end of this year and in the meantime we're working on revamping revamping our live show um, uh, and really taking it to the next level Um, putting new twists on it because our show is kind of like it's like a movie so like if you see it a couple times you're like oh this is awesome I love this part but then you know the more we tour with it and took it around the country and and Europe if you see it two or three times you kind of know What's gonna happen So our show It's not like We can't just get up there And rap our songs Like most people And it'd be cool Like you just perform The same song The same way for 15 years And people are like Oh I love it We don't do that So We have to revamp We have to revamp And remold And reshape So that's what we're, we're just, uh, The mode we're in right now Kind of revamping our show So Hopefully by the time The next group album Comes out towards the end of the year That'll be ready And You uh, should come out and see it Because it's Very Very important
0: To see the music that was played on this episode, and for a few extra minutes, check out therhymebook.net. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Make sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and AudioMac. Wanna be rich like you? Give me everything I want—the chain and the wedding ring, money in the bag, money, money in the bag. Give me everything I want—the chain and the wedding ring, money in the bag, money, money in the bag.